0: Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm Daniel Joseph. Thank you for joining us today on our Shabbat live stream service. We're going to continue on in our study in the uh, with this epistle to the Hebrews. Uh, last week, we didn't get very far. We looked at verse one. Well, again, this week, we are not going to get very far again. So we're going to be covering verse two today. And with that said, let's just break into this. This is what we read. Do not forget to entertain strangers. What we call today, another way to say this is, this is hospitality to go forth and entertain these strangers. The first thing I want to mention in this verse is this verse is not independent or mutually exclusive from that of verse one. The writer told us, let brotherly love continue. This statement is an aspect to letting brotherly love continue. That's to, to go out and show love, to show concern for the stranger, not to forget them. I, I think the Greek helps out here. So if I, I'll put the Greek up here. It's phila exenia. In phila exenia, this is a compound word in the Greek. It's two Greek words, philos, referring to friend, and then exenos, referring to stranger And when you put them together, really what you're saying is to have uh, the same love for a stranger that you have for a friend. That's really the definition. And you think about that. You think about how we are with our friends or even with close family members. That same desire to love on them, to be with them, to serve them. This is to be in our heart in regard to strangers, And the reason being is because as he goes on, he says, for by so doing, some of you have unwittingly entertained angels. And it's such a profound thought to be able to think about that, that when we run into some people, we just think it's totally random that in some circumstances, it could be much greater than just simply helping out another man or another woman or even a child. This really puts a little bit of emphasis on this. Looking at this in its historical context, in other words, when the writer would have said this to, and of course, the recipients are first century Jews, they're Jewish believers in Yeshua, Jews who knew the Torah, who loved the Torah, who valued the Torah. When the writer said this, again, it didn't need further explanation This is something that would have hit them right between the eyes. They would have knew exactly what he was talking about. First and foremost, Abraham would have come to mind. Because Abraham had an experience where he entertained strangers who were in fact angels. And so to really kind of dig into this and feel the backdrop and to know what the first century Jews knew, we're going to go back to Genesis 18 and we're going to look at this story and we're even going to take it a little further, which is really going to be kind of amazing because it really pertains to what we're dealing with here, what the writer is asking his audience to do, and even by extension asking us to do. This is this is a Torah principle uh, and so with no further ado, let's take a peek at this. Genesis 18, verse 1, this is what we read. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre or Mamre in, in Hebrew. Now, just this as a side note, if you get a chance and you're going to go to Israel soon, this is a place you're going to want to go to because it is so rich with heritage. and This is the place that Abraham set up his home. And so as we're reading Abraham's here, this is where he made his home after he split off from Lot. This is where he built an altar to the living God. And he was sacrificing to the Lord here. I mean, this was his hub. And as you continue in time again, for example, King David made Mamre in the sense of Hebron, which Mamre is in Hebron. King David made Hebron his home. He reigned as king for seven and a half years over Israel. And what's fascinating is he was anointed twice. It's interesting because his son, King Solomon, would be anointed twice. But David was anointed twice as king, first by uh, his own people, the people of Judah. And then all of Israel came and anointed him as king. All this happened at Hebron, which is exactly where Mamre is. All right, so... If you get a chance to go there while you're going to Israel, absolutely worth your time. Amazing. And so he says, then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So it's again, if you've been to Israel in the heat of the day, it's unforgiving. It's painfully hot. I don't know how else to explain it. Even if you go there in the fall, uh, depending on where you're at, it's hot. 18, verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, look at what he does here. He ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Notice it doesn't say, now this is important. He just sees three men off in a distance. He doesn't wait for them to get to him. That's one of the first things you notice. second thing is, is, he goes to them, but he doesn't walk. He runs. And then when he gets there, he prostrates himself. I mean, in every way you look at this verse, and Abraham had that heart that was desperate. It was desperate to serve. This is this is what made him tick. It drove him. He delighted in it. And so it's, you can already see, the story hasn't even unfolded. And right here, in the first couple of verses, we already see Abraham's heart out on the table. And it's absolutely beautiful. And keep in mind, I didn't know who these men were. You would think from the sounds of it, his long lost son had come home. And he was erratic, he lost his mind and he ran out to them. That wasn't the case. You would have thought maybe it was his wife, you know after a long journey that he hadn't seen running out to meet his wife or any of his close close friends or relatives whatever the case may be, none of it was true it was it was these strangers and so and when, when you look at this Abraham I marvel at this man at how godly this man is at how much he is so concerned about serving other people it is an awesome thought and as we continue it's going to get more awesome In verse three, this is what we read. And said, my Lord, if I have now found favor, you know what's interesting? You look at this in the Hebrew, that word there for favor is in fact, chen. In other words, go back. And the first time we see this is used with Noah, where it says, and Noah, chapter six, I believe it is, Genesis six. And Noah found grace, chen, in the sight of the Lord. And so we see the same term being used here this term grace which it can be translated grace and favor so he comes and he says if i have found grace or favor in your sight do not pass by look at this your servant it reminds me notice and again just meeting these guys and he doesn't elevate himself he actually says, I'm your servant. I will serve you. And I can't help but remember the discussion that Yeshua had as his disciples are bickering about who's who among them is the greatest. And Yeshua responds. He comes back and he says, he who is greatest among you, let him be his brother's servant. And so you're to serve one another. That's that's who the greatest is. It's not a coincidence that Abraham is wired this way. You want to know why the Messiah Yeshua would come through his lineage? This is how he is wired. Uh, we, we always think of him as the father of faith. Yes, he is. But he's more. When you understand the heart of Abraham, to love another man, uh, to care for him, to be this, to show and display this kind of humility... This is what we're called to be. You know, again, what did Yeshua say? If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And so you read a story like this and it can humble you in a very good way really fast and go, man, I haven't been like Abraham. And I haven't showed that same kindness or concern uh, for others. I haven't put the interest of others before my own. And so, I've only loved those who love me. I mean, you know, this this chapter, uh, chapter 13, get to the end of 12, chapter 13, is deceptively heavy. Because, and I say deceptively, because these are simple, awesome, godly principles that children can understand. And yet, they're the hardest to grasp. They're the hardest to walk out for whatever reason. And yet they're the most powerful. And so I, this is, it's just amazing to see Abraham's character as a man. Now, verse four, uh, may we learn to be like him. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. So the first thing that Abraham is concerned with after he shows his heart after he humbles himself, says, "I'm your servant. I will serve you." The first thing he, his concern is is how do I serve them? How do I make them comfortable? I want them to feel comfort. I want to assist in making whatever their lives are right now. I want to make them better. I want them to be better off after having seen me. And that's it. That's something that you know when, when we're walking with Yeshua. And Yeshua's love is burning in our heart. I'm telling you, after we talk to people in our interaction with people. They will walk away better people. They will have grown in some way. They will have been encouraged in some way. They will have been challenged more to read the word more, to pray more, to seek Yeshua with all their heart or to give more. Whatever the case may be, when we're hitting that mark. We will leave an impression on people that they want to become better people than they are when they're rubbing shoulders uh, with us. And that's the goal. This is Abraham's goal. This is his concern. Just an awesome heartbeat. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you said so Abraham he's not going to allow these strangers just stroll on by and, and him to do people watching right as you watch people move going to and fro Abraham do- doesn't allow that he wants to serve them he wants to come on he wants to make an impact on their lives for good and now he is going to feed them He's concerned not just about washing their feet. He wants to make sure that they are fed as well. And in verse six, we read this. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures, a fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Now you look at this. And this is one of my favorite parts to the story, this very verse, and for multiple reasons. First being, Abraham employs the help of his wife to fulfill this incredible experience of hospitality. She is absolutely willing. She is his partner in ministry. And I'm going to tell you, there is nothing more rewarding than being able to do kingdom work when your wife is at your side that is it it is an awesome thing and I can't even put it into words and when I get to see it I don't just enjoy it myself which I do and I I cherish that but I look to see it in others I want to see wives standing with their husbands supporting them as they're doing ministry and being a part of ministry in some way and ministering to people and to be able to see the husband and wife yoked in unity for the cause of the kingdom. That is precious. And you know what? That's exactly how it's supposed to be. This is the template. Abraham and Sarah, the mother and father of the faith. She's the, she's the mother of the faith. And so It's such a cool thing. He goes in and he's orchestrating and making sure every component is going to be met. And so he gets his wife involved and she is now going to do this. Now, there is one thing about this passage that always caught my attention. I want you to look at this. I'll highlight this. It says, make ready three measures a fine meal. Now, I'm going to tell you. When you look at this, and perhaps on a practical level, there obviously you, you can say, "Well, she's making three measures a meal because there are three angels." And okay, fair enough. However, when you go to the New Testament, you see, wow, okay, this is deep. This statement, the fact that this is even recorded. It signifies this is prophetically significant. There is a deep teaching involved in this. And we pick this up as we go into the Gospel of Matthew and Yeshua's teachings. And so I want to take you to Matthew 13 just for a moment. Another parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And we'll touch on that in a moment. Which a woman... Took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, I'm going to tell you, as Yeshua's teaching, let's just get in the historical context. And he's teaching the kingdom of heaven is like three measures of meal, and you're a Jew totally immersed in Torah, a light bulb's going to go off. It did for me, it immediately takes you back to our story that we're looking at right now. It's almost as though Yeshua, in regard to talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's like, go back. Go back to Genesis 18 and read what happened here, because this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of heaven. And what I would tell you, absolutely, there's no dispute. And by the time we get done today, you'll, you'll agree. There's no debate This story that we're reading in regard to Abraham and Sarah going forth and literally embracing this kind of hospitality and this kind of care for these strangers who would eventually we would know would be angels and and the Lord himself. This is kingdom work. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is the behavior of the kingdom of God. Now, when you actually put this all together, it's interesting. Levin, Yeshua himself equates leaven to doctrine to teaching well isn't that interesting because the kingdom of heaven is like a teaching at which a woman i.e sarah took and hid three measures of meal till it was all leaven and so as i said before it's like sarah doing this and preparing this for these men this is what the kingdom of heaven is like it's this behavior and so this story is absolutely important Uh, for us to be paying attention to what they're doing. Uh, In a sense, we are to emulate uh, both Abraham and Sarah. Now, going back and continuing on in verse 7. And Abraham ran to the herd. He took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So get this, Abraham, uh, everything at his disposal, to take a good calf, That was a costly item back in Abraham's day. Abraham spared no expense for people that he wasn't sure he knew. Okay, for strangers, he was willing to kill the fatted calf. Uh, Something that a father would do for a son. A son who was lost, but now is found. But Abraham does this. Everything at his disposal, Abraham brings forth for them to partake of. I mean, this is the love of this man. Verse 8. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, isn't that interesting? Abraham doesn't sit. He doesn't make, uh, make himself comfortable. His only concern is serving. He is standing. He is ready for anything that would be needed. He is willing and ready. And, you know, I I think about this because there's a kingdom principle here in that we see this uh, in the Gospel of Luke where Yeshua says, you know, you're to have your lamps burning and and your uh, belt on your waist. In, in the sense that you're supposed to be ready and it's kind of a reference to Exodus 12 and that passage to the Passover uh, where we see that on the night of Pesach, the people had their staff in their hand, their sandals on their feet and their belt was drawn. They were ready to go. And I, I see this kind of behavior. He is ready. Abraham, he is ready. He's prepared. And so it's, it's just kind of a, a cool thing to witness. Verse nine, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, we know how the story continues is, is at this point. And I didn't put it up here, but Sarah laughs. She thinks she, she overhears this. And she thinks it's hilarious. And the reason she does is it's ridiculous. She can't have kids. She is old. She's way past the point of bearing children. And in her entire life, she couldn't bear children. In other words, this is a ridiculous impossibility. It is. It's physically impossible for her to have kids. So she laughs. Well, the response to it, the Lord says this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Isn't it interesting? Do you find this coincidental? After Abraham goes through this awesome kingdom work, and his wife joins him, of serving them, being willing to give whatever they have to enhance their experience in life uh, to make sure every need is met to make sure that they're comfortable only after that do we hear this conversation and you got to understand this is there was nothing else Abraham would rather hear than this when he when we go back to Genesis 15 Abraham's having this discussion with the Lord and the only thing Abraham wants he doesn't ask for anything else he wants a son That's what he wants more than anything. That's all he wanted. And now the Lord comes and tells him, this I'm going to do. And he says it to where both Abraham and Sarah, who have been both serving these men, get to hear. Now it's going to happen this time next year. I'm coming back. I mean, that is not a coincidence. The kingdom of God is being expressed right here in this story. That when we get concerned about doing the Lord's work and loving our neighbor and being concerned about even the stranger and showing that kind of hospitality, we in effect are walking out exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And because Abraham was doing that, now the promise comes out. And I mean, like I said, you ever been in those moments where somebody says something and it's exactly what you want to hear, and it causes you such joy that you can't even comprehend it. People have had experiences like this, and it's, it's almost so precious, it's too hard to believe. You couldn't have told Abraham anything else that would have made him happier than what he was just told. So, I mean, this is incredible. Now, continuing on in the story, verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. Okay, Abraham with them the entire time making sure everything's okay. And the Lord said, "Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him." And we know why all the nations of the earth are blessed in him is because he would end up having a descendant that would literally save the world and his name would be called Yeshua, who is a physical descendant of his. And Yeshua would bring in the nations. Awesome promise, an awesome blessing for him. But the one thing I I really wanna focus on is what I have highlighted shall i hide from abraham what i'm doing now one thing we've already talked about this earlier on in this series is that god withheld nothing from abraham in regard to his total plan of what he planned on doing with the world the plan of redemption the plan of coming back again even the plan that he was going to take abraham's descendants his children down to egypt Abraham saw all of it. And we know this. Uh, John chapter 8, uh, Yeshua himself said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. See, the Lord revealed things to Abraham because Abraham, we're told, we're told in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 20, we're told in the New Testament, in the book of James, that Abraham was the friend of God, and I believe even in Isaiah as well. But because he was God's friend, and see, this, this goes back to uh, phila exenia. And you look at that term in the Greek that you're to love a stranger as a friend. Abraham was a friend to the Lord, of which one of these three strangers is, in fact, he was a true friend to him. And, what I, and I love what Yeshua says, right? In John 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, talking to his apostles, but I call you friends. For all things that I have heard from the Father, all things that I heard from the Father, I've made known to you. And so do you want revelation of the scriptures? Do you want this intimate relationship with Yeshua? Then you have to be his friend. How do we be his friend well, you're going to want to pay very, very close attention to the life of Abraham because he was a friend of God. And so everything Abraham does, yes, we are going to want to grab hold of it and we are going to want to do it. Amen. That being said, I mean, we, we could talk about, as I just did, this prophetic reality that all things in, in essence were revealed to Abraham. There is a immediate and practical application to this statement. It's not just referring to all this stuff in the distance. It actually referred to what was going on right at that moment. God was planning something, and we discover this as we continue. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Verse 22, then the men, and this is actually referring to the two angels, not the Lord, but the two angels, turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And so, in essence, basically what the Lord does is he reveals to Abraham I'm going to Sodom. And if it's as evil as I think it is, it's going to get destroyed. That's what's going to happen. And so when when the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Uh, This first and foremost refers to the immediate action at play here and that he's going to destroy. Well, Abraham gets concerned about this. And in verse 23, the next verse, Abraham comes near and says, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Again, look at Abraham's heart. Yes, Abraham, under, he understands clearly the wicked are going to be destroyed. God is a just God. But his concern is, is are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then they go into this dialogue, and I didn't put it up, but this dialogue, Abraham goes, well, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, what would you destroy? And he says, no, and then 45, then 40, and then 30, then 20, all the way down to 10. And even at 10, the Lord says, even for 10 righteous men, I would not destroy the city. Okay, at which point we pick it up here in Genesis 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, get this, he rose to meet them. He rose and he went to go meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Isn't that fascinating? Because the way Lot responds to these angels is the exact same way that Abraham responded to these exact angels. So we see the same heart that Abraham had in Lot. Now, there's a lot of debate over Lot, and and a lot of it comes from his descendants, which happened through his daughters, which that that, that whole thing was totally corrupt. But you need to listen to Peter's words very closely. When Peter, the apostle of Yeshua, uh, who carries the anointing of the living God, when he says he called Lot a righteous person, he goes, and Lot seeing and hearing of their lawless deeds... He talks about this. It tormented his righteous soul. So as he's looking out, looking at all these lawless deeds happening in Sodom, Peter comes back and says it tormented his righteous soul. And so we know just from Peter's testimony, Lot was righteous. But if I was just to read his story here, I already know that because he's displaying the exact same behavior that Abraham did and actually, when we go on, it gets even better. Verse 2. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night. And what? Wash your feet. Does that, again, sound familiar? This is exactly what Abraham had offered and what he wanted for these very angels when they visited him. It is, it's like two identical situations really coming out. And And uh, where does Lot want to take him? He wants him to come to his house. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. So they they declined. They're like, no, we're going to stay here. But in verse three, he insisted strongly. Lot wasn't going to have it any other way. I'm going to show kindness and compassion to these men no matter what. He is committed in his heart to doing this as Abraham was committed. So they turned to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast. Again, sound familiar? This is exactly what Abraham did. And baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So in essence, this is deja vu for these angels. What they experienced with Abraham, they're experiencing with Lot. Lot. Lot is showing this beautiful kindness and this hospitality to them verse 4 Now before they lay down the men of the city the men of Sodom both old and young all the people from every quarter surrounded the house and they called to Lot and said to him where are the men who came to you by came to you tonight Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now, as we know, Sodom was given over to homosexuality. It was completely immersed in it. And now these wicked and evil inhabitants with wicked and evil intent have come to Lot's house. It's interesting. Are these men showing the same hospitality? the same concern for their well-being? Are they killing a fatted calf? Are they feeding them? Are they making sure that their feet are washed? They're not doing any of this. Actually, what they want to do is perform evil to them. And so here on one side, you have Lot showing incredible hospitality and you have the rest of the inhabitants that are wanting to defile these men. Absolutely couldn't be farther apart, right? Verse 6. So Lot went out to them uh, through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Notice he shuts the door. He puts a barrier between him and the angels so that these people can't get to these angels. He's only concerned about protecting them. That is his top priority. He's willing to do whatever it takes Keep these men safe. I mean, it's that kind of character, it's that kind of heart that does well in kingdom matters, that knows how to really fulfill hospitality and to be dedicated to it and to be willing to sacrifice whatever you have. Lot is willing to do that. At which point we read in verse 12, dropping down Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. Now, you know, something I I should mention, there's a little bit here we should be covering. After Lot closes the door, these men of Sodom were going to come after Lot. They're more angry with him now because he stuck up for them and wanted to protect them. And they pronounced to do him worse than they had planned on doing to these angels. And so the angels strike the men with blindness, they pull Lot back, they preserve Lot, totally preserved, and strike them with blindness, and they can't see anything, they, they can't find their way around. At which point we come to this verse, and they ask, Have you anyone here? Sons, laws, and all that. And you know that Lot did. He had two daughters. And of course, the daughters, uh, he tells them, you know what? The Lord's gonna destroy this place. This is what's gonna happen to us. And and I didn't put this up here, but if we don't leave, we're as good as dead. And of course, the sons in law thought this was a joke. It's interesting because this, this whole story is so prophetic of the end of the age that as real Christian believers, Messianic Jewish believers, go around declaring the coming of Yeshua, the Son of the Living God, who's going to restore the kingdom of God, who's going to restore Israel, it uh, seems ridiculous. You sound idiotic. That's a joke. Uh, this is the mantra that's going to happen. This is why he's going to come as a thief to the wicked. And so these sons-in-laws, they're they're really not picking up on it. So Lot grabs his two daughters and his wife. His wife, as you know, looks back, turns into a pillar of salt because she couldn't leave the world. Her heart, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also... her, Her treasure was in Sodom rather than in the deliverance and in the truth of the living God. And... Yeah, it didn't work out well for her. And so they're they're taken out and they're totally delivered. Now, here's my point. This is the simple point I want to make. Isn't it interesting what happened to Abraham immediately? As we see in the story, he's rewarded with the greatest thing he could ever imagine. The only thing he desired. That promise was told to him. Lot shows the same hospitality to these angels. And what is the next thing we read? He's being delivered. Total deliverance. And I'm telling you, this is the kingdom right here. And just to further prove this, let me take you to Yeshua's teaching in Matthew 25. This is what we read. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Oh, I was a stranger and you took me in. Does that sound familiar? That's what Abraham did. That's what Lot did. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assurely, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so you think of this as they're entertaining strangers who are really, in fact, they're entertaining angels and in Abraham's situation, this, this statement that Yeshua makes where these people like, when did I? I, I never did this. I, I didn't come visit you when you were sick. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, actually, you did. In, in real life, Abraham actually did this with the Lord himself, Yeshua, this this Christophany, right? Where we know it's the Lord because the, the passage, and I didn't get into this part of it, but we know emphatically without debate, it is the Lord. Abraham, the Lord stays with Abraham, and they're talking while two angels go off. And so Abraham actually experiences this. And so this goes back to that whole saying that I'm telling you that this story is totally about the kingdom of God and about what it really takes, what God expects from us, the kind of behavior and character we're to display. It's huge. It's meaningful. And so we want to emulate this. And I'm going to tell you, with everything that is going on in the world today, we see the world's falling apart at the seams. Uh, There's violence. There's looting. uh, There's anger. There's hatred. There's all these things that are unfolding. And I'm going to tell you, this is an opportunity for us To hold the line, to stand strong in love and to think about the kingdom, not to think about the evil, not to think about everything or, or allowing the evil to depict who you're going to be or how you're going to be responding because we're not to pay anyone, repay them evil for evil. Or to, you know, bless those who curse us, do good to those who hate us and pray for those that spitefully use us. We are called to a much higher calling. And we have an opportunity today. The only thing that can conquer evil, and this I know for a fact, the only thing that can conquer evil is love. It's the only thing that overcomes it. It's not stronger evil. It's not more hatred or it's not meeting uh, violence with violence. That's not what it's about. It's it, it truly is about showing that kind of heart and that kind of character. And so we have opportunity. We have more opportunity now than ever before to show the character of Yeshua. And I think through that, by displaying that kind of character in while we're at the end of the age and things are getting more and more Crazy, The world's falling deeper and deeper into despair and lawlessness is abounding. Why? Because the love of many have grown cold. They're not experiencing any love. They don't have any love. They don't trust anyone. These are the moments when we need to step in in the gap and to be able to stand strong and say, you know what? I'm, I will be a man of character. I will be like Abraham. I will show that kind of character that he had and be concerned about other people's well-being. And so with that said, we're just going to end here for today. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, Pastor Craig is going to lead us into a time of prayer. And I'm just going to say this. Our country needs prayer and it needs it bad. The church needs prayer and it needs it bad. The people with everything going on with the violence, um, with you see I mean, from police brutality to everything else, burning buildings uh, to this coronavirus to forced vaccines. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I'm telling you right now, the answer is prayer. It's for us to get back and get connected with Yeshua so that we have that love that we need to be able to draw from the wells of salvation, the wells of love And then be able to give that to others. We've got to go back and get it. And so I will leave you with that. Be blessed, everyone. Uh, Know that Yeshua loves you. We love you. Thank you for tuning in and spending time with us on this Shabbat. Uh, Don't fear the things that are coming upon the earth. Get your heart and your life right. Get in right relationship with the Lord. And trust me when I say this, everything else is going to fall into line. You won't have that fear. You will have a boldness that you need to have. So with that said, bless you guys. Shabbat shalom.